thank everyone for joining me on this journey through truth and reason as we've looked at Ephesians for the past several months. It's been a lengthy study for such a short book, but I think we have uh, gleaned a lot of good uh, inspiration from Paul's words to the church in Ephesus, and tonight uh, wraps up our study as we conclude chapter 6, verses 18 through 24. We'll go on to some other things in another week or so, so give me a little time to prepare some material for our next set of studies during Truth and Reason every Sunday night beginning at 5 o'clock. If you'd like to be on this email list, just send me an email at chriskramer11 at gmail.com and I'll get you on that list. Of course, you can find Truth and Reason on our Facebook page. Just go to Facebook at Truth and Reason Bible Studies as well as YouTube, which is where the link of the video will always be. And that again can be found at Truth and Reason on YouTube. Well, as we come to the conclusion, as Paul commonly does, he requests, um, you know, encouragement from the brethren, and he talks a lot about his prayer life. Uh, we find a lot of great examples of of prayer um, and a lot of the uh, desires that uh, Paul had toward the preaching of the gospel. Uh, when you look at his prayers, uh, he wanted utterance, encouragement. And uh, he knew that God could bless him with those things, as the Lord had already proven many times throughout the ministry of Paul. But as in other encouragements at the end of his letters, he encourages others in the work that they have to do. We'll mention Tychicus, and I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly, but if not, please pardon me. Uh, that's the way I'll be pronouncing it in the lesson today. But uh, we're going to be looking at him in more detail in a future sermon series. But let's go ahead and get into our reading as we look at verse 18. Uh, we've already talked about uh, the whole armor of God, and we ended with the Word of God. And of course, one of the important aspects of pulling all of these things together is not just the armor that we wear, but the communication that we have with God our Father in heaven. And so Paul begins by saying, Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. You'll remember earlier uh, in our last lesson, he began that discourse with the word finally. And now we're really getting to the final words here as he talks about the importance of prayer and the, the perseverance, obviously, that you know he should have, that others should have, especially writing to brethren who, in many times throughout the first century, were persecuted heavily for their uh, belief and stand for God. So they had a lot of things going against them as far as the world was concerned, but they had everything going for them in their relationship with God. So when he says praying always, in other words, he's saying, you know, in your prayers, just don't say things one time and you're, you're done with it. I mean, there are examples like Paul gives about his own thorn in the flesh, uh, where he says, well, I prayed three times about it and God gave me an answer. Um, I know, I'll admit there are things I pray about constantly and prayed about most of my life. But uh, sometimes we don't realize God's answers to these things until it's either done or we have to be patient knowing that um, you know, His will will be accomplished. And so 
when he talks about praying always, of course, he says to the Thessalonians in that letter to pray without ceasing. That's kind of the famous one that everybody remembers. But that's always been, you know, Paul's, Paul's prayer, his, his attitude toward prayer. Always be in a prayerful mind. Um, you know, when you go throughout life, um, you may not think it's always easy to just stop and bow and cl- close your eyes or however you commonly uh, take a posture in prayer. I don't believe that there's one set posture. We have many uh, different types of posture that are listed throughout the Bible. You know, standing, kneeling, um, you know, praying, face to the ground. Uh, you know, I believe that you can pray anywhere and in any way. And we should try to utilize all of those types of postures depending on what circumstance we're in. Uh, I have no problem with praying while you're driving down the road. Uh, granted, that might be a little distracting, but at the same time, we should always be in a prayerful uh, mode, you might say. And so what I'm getting at here um, in talking about praying always with prayer and supplication in the Spirit is that we be all, always be mindful of God uh, in everything that we do. The decisions that we make throughout the day, make sure that we have God in mind when it comes to going left or right or yes or no, whatever our answers might be. And so, you know, enough about that, but we'll go on with the, you know, what Paul is actually asking for. And he says, being watchful to this end with all persevering and supplication for all the saints. So it's important to know that we use, as last week's lesson, the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. And there's your emphasis in, you know, desiring more from the Spirit. Uh, The knowledge of God's Word, being able to teach and to preach. And remember what he also says, supplication for all the saints, that God would take care of our supply. In other words, look at the various aspects of prayer. You've got prayers of praise, prayers of thanksgiving, and prayers of supplication. And, of course, supplication, just looking at the root word of that, I mean, you know, to to provide for us, our supply, uh, if you will. And in that, he asked for prayers for himself specifically. And again, getting back to not, you know, just a physical need that he have, but in the preaching of God's word, as I've already mentioned. Look at verse 19. And for me, that utterance may be given to me, that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel. Um, This isn't the first time that he uses that term, mystery of the gospel. He carried the great responsibility of preaching and teaching the gospel, uh, as we know in the beginning days of his ministry toward the Jews, but later to the Gentiles in particular. And, you know, he talks about this in Ephesians chapter 3. He talks about the mystery of the gospel. And he says, you know, when you hear this preaching or when you read this letter, he said, you may understand my knowledge in the mystery of, of Christ. And so he's like, this is what I'm this is what I'm doing. This is what it's all about. This is my primary focus in my relationship with God, but uh, that you may have that relationship with God as well uh, through Jesus Christ. And so he goes on in verse 20 to show the the uh, the commitment that he has toward this purpose in life uh, and for uh, for which I am an ambassador in chains. And this gets back to the fact that uh, many times throughout uh, several of the letters that Paul had written, uh, he was bound in chains. Um, He would have freedoms from time to time, and he would have the intention of going and being with brethren in various places. We'll see this with Philemon, 
Uh, I mentioned Tychicus earlier, um, and he'll come up in Scripture in just a few moments, but um, you know, he delivered the letter to the brethren there where Philemon was, of course, with Onesimus, uh, who had been a slave and uh, was converted to truth and you know, was returned back to Philemon. A lot of fascinating you know, connections that you can make to all those things. But you know, I, I, I'm not saying these things are trivial, but let's stick with the context of the passage here and what he's trying to teach. And he says again, that I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. Again, he says that twice, uh, verse 19 and verse 20, the need to have uh, boldness in preaching. And, and that encompasses, you know, some other things as well. Remember, that not everybody is a preacher of the gospel, but we all should be an example. We should, all should desire to teach and tell others about Jesus Christ. And that's going to take a bit of confidence on our part. Uh, it's going to take boldness to speak one, the truth, which doesn't always go along with what people think. Uh, that, that's one of the hardest aspects of teaching the truth is that a lot of times you are contradicting the views of other people. Uh, you're contradicting the views of society. And um, a lot of people say, oh, all you're doing is correcting me or rebuking me or telling me that I'm wrong. And, uh, and people don't like that. But, you know, if we're truly seeking the truth of God, we need to humble ourselves in his sight and realize, hey, if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. I need to make things right with God because to teach people that they need to be baptized into Christ means they have to come to the understanding that they are in sin. And that's something that a lot of people have a very hard time with is confessing that they're sin. They want to say, I'm a good person. And you know what? Morally, you may be. You know, a lot of times I'm not going to just accuse people of immorality. But sin is more than just immorality. Sin is a transgression against God's will. And if you are without Jesus Christ, then you are in a state of sin. And again, uh, we must humble ourselves and repent. What does the Bible mean by repentance? It means make a change. And we need to change our spiritual state as much as sometimes our um, acts of morality or the things that we do in this life. But looking back at this passage and looking at the boldness that Paul asks for here, um, it, it doesn't always come with an easy message for people to hear. And so there's a lot of opposition along the way. If it was an easy thing, then we really, really wouldn't need much boldness necessarily. But boldness can also be a type of, of forcefulness in the teaching of God's Word. A lot of people want, and I use the expression a lot, and, and sometimes people don't like this, but you know, rainbows and butterflies, you know, sometimes. Uh, that's the way people want to hear the gospel. They want to hear the gospel that's, you know, easy uh, to listen to, that's, you know, e you know, ease up on the on the sin. And sometimes, and I'll admit it, I mean, there's sometimes that I, I'm, I'm just tired of talking about the sins of man and the sins of the world, but we're always constantly surrounded by these things. We do need the positive nature of God's word. We need the beauty of what heaven will be. And, you know, when I became a Christian, I'll admit, I, I feared. I didn't want to have eternal condemnation. In other words, I didn't want to go to the place called hell. Um, as, I, as I grew in my Christian life, I, I began to understand a little bit more as to what it meant to look forward to a home in heaven. And I wish we could all start that way. You know, being baptized into Christ, becoming a Christian, and immediately looking forward to a home that we shall have with God in heaven. And, and we all should, and I'm not saying that people don't, but I'm saying a lot of times our motivations are, 
We're trying to avoid the, the wrath. We're trying to avoid the evil that's out there. We're trying to avoid the sin. We're trying to come out of sin because we have been, uh, you know, guilty for our sins. It's a godly sorrow that should cause us to want to change. So um, there's where that boldness comes in. Sometimes you need somebody to just, you know, I'll use the expression, you know, tell you the way it is. And oftentimes we don't like people who just tell it like it is, as we often say. But sometimes we need somebody to point out our wrongs so that we can correct things and make things right. That's the beauty of a friendship is being able to trust in people that will steer you in the right direction, even if it means they have to, you know, pull you back in that in that right direction. But I've seen people get so offended because just to assume that they need to be baptized in a Christ or, or, or come to church just automatically puts them in the camp. Oh, you think I'm I'm all bad? Well, you know, it's not what we think. It's what does God think? And you need to compare your life to what the scriptures have to say and compare your life to why Jesus had to give his life upon the cross. And if we don't humble ourselves in his sight, well, that's bad. <laughs> that's just bad. And just to have that attitude is not the kind of attitude that's going to get us to a home in heaven with God someday. Let's go on. In verse 21, uh, Paul, again, introduces someone that we've talked about several times, and that's Tychicus. He says, But that you also may know my affairs and how I am doing, Tychicus, a beloved brother and faithful minister in the Lord, will make all things known to you. So, like, you know, uh, Paul often does, he he sends other men in his place to uh, teach the gospel, to deliver these letters. Uh, Tychicus was an encourager. Uh, he was a messenger. He was a preacher of the gospel. Uh, he's mentioned about five times uh, throughout the New Testament. And, of course, it's all centered around the same kinds of things here, uh, that he's there to encourage, to lift brethren up. Uh, he was a part of you know, delivering uh, benevolence uh, to the church. Uh, in Jerusalem. Um, we uh, see what else do we know about him. Paul uses terminology about Tychicus. Dear brother, uh, beloved brothers, we just read, faithful minister, fellow servant in uh, the book of Colossians, which mirrors uh, Ephesians uh, in a lot of in a lot of the teachings there. Um, he uh, he says that you know he may encourage your hearts. Um, encouragement is mentioned as a part of Tychicus' ministry as well as Barnabas. You remember Barnabas, the son of encouragement, as the apostles had nicknamed him. Uh, but Tychicus was a guy like that. Um, we don't have as many, you know, stories about Tychicus. We just know the work that he was commissioned to do. So he, he's a great study uh, in regard to the type of Christians that we need to be as well. Um, Tychicus, you know, helped bring Anisimus back to Philemon and encourage the church there and uh, deliver those letters to the church. Um, let's see here. Um, there are some people that Paul never mentions in Scripture that some people assume maybe would be this, this Tychicus fellow. Um, but like I said, maybe we'll study him in a little bit more detail in maybe a sermon series at some point in the future as we look at examples of these New Testament individuals. But back to Paul. He, he was encouraged uh, by other people. This, Tychicus isn't the first or, nor the only time that Paul talks about receiving great encouragement uh, from other brethren. 
and uh, he talks about Epaphroditus. Of course, he talks about Timothy, uh, you know, very prominently mentioned uh, in Scripture. But in verse 22, he talks about Tychicus by saying, Whom I have sent to you for this very purpose, that you may know our affairs, and that he may comfort your hearts. And so, Paul's concern was always for the brethren. You know, he told the Corinthian brethren, What comes upon me daily? My, my desire for the churches. Those are what my prayers are about. Those are what my concerns are, because that's the work that I have applied myself to do. And so, in his last couple of points here, he just wraps up with what we might look at as some, you know, basic encouragement, uh, things that you might say to someone in parting, but we really have to look at Paul's words as having such deep and loving meaning toward those he's imparting them to. He wants them to be comforted, and I believe, again, if we were to keep this in, say, the context of the things that Paul is praying for, he says, peace to the brethren and love with faith from God, the Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace be with all those who love our Lord Jesus Christ in sincerity. Amen. I don't know how I can explain it better than that, but it's certainly a beautiful way to wrap up this, well, really it's a short letter. But it's a letter that's chock full of information as to how the church should conduct themselves in the sight of the Lord. The things that we should do, the things that we should not do. You know, let's go back just real quickly while we have a few moments left in our time. Just to remind ourselves of some of the things that we've discussed in the Ephesian letter. As we begin back in chapter 1 and we see a lot of things being mentioned about being in Jesus Christ. The source of this peace that he's wanting them to have, the source of the gospel, the doctrine. And so we need to be in him. Just go through chapter 1 and see how many times he mentions about being in him, in the Lord Jesus. And look at how he ends the letter when he says, Grace be with all those who love our Lord Jesus Christ in sincerity. You know, those words mean something. A lot of people think, oh yeah, I've been baptized, I go to church, I'm in Christ, but is there the sincerity there? Do you truly have that grace and peace that we are to have in our Lord Jesus Christ? And of course, the emphasis being in verse 24 is those who love Jesus Christ. And you know, without that, there's nothing. We all know what Paul teaches the brethren in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, that without love, you know, no matter what we do, it profits nothing. In fact, he says, he goes on to say, I am nothing without love. We get into chapter 2, and we see, of course, after he talks about prayers for spiritual wisdom, he talks about the grace that we have in Jesus Christ and being created as the workmanship of God to do his good works. You know, that's what this letter just really centers around as we look at walking in the works of God, walking in his grace, walking in his faith, not our own, not the things that we make up, but doing those works of God. And again, when he talks about in chapter 2 and verse 14, for he himself is our peace. So without Christ, there's no peace. Without Christ, well, there's no love, really. And we have no hope for eternal salvation. I've referenced chapter 3 probably in most of our lessons here, as we've talked about the mystery revealed and how we got the Bible through the writings of the apostles and the prophets. 
and of course that we can know these things through what has been written. We are so blessed to live in a time where we can all have our own copy of God's Word, our own uh, you know, copy of the Bible, and to be able to utilize it in our lives. And since this is so readily available to us, we need to, as chapter 3 also teaches us, to know, and I'm reading verse 19, to know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge, that you may be able, uh, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now, he's not saying these things can't be known. For the world, they can't be. But in Christ, you can know. And that's what, again, Paul's prayer for. How many times, and I, I didn't realize this before, but how many times does Paul say, I, I, like verse 14 in chapter 3, For this reason I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Prayer, prayer, prayer. For them, for the Word, for its teaching. And then in chapter 4, we look at the oneness that we have in God. One body, one spirit, just as we were called in one hope of our calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all. That's our Father. That's our doctrine. And we can look at God's Word and say, that's, that's what saves us. And for that, we can be thankful. He talks about in chapter 4 of being uh, the new man. And having our understanding open to what is the truth, not darkened in our former days. In chapter 5, he talked about being imitators of God as dear children. So many times in this letter, he refers back to a, um, a relationship that we have with God in a very familial sense. We are his children. And we need to not just obey him, but uh, love him. And you know, then we can accept and, and be participants or partakers of the blessings that our Father has for us. And then he makes the comparison toward the end of chapter 5 of that relationship with Christ through the, the, the views of marriage between a husband and a wife. In chapter 6, between children and their parents. In the workplace, as we apply our lives to doing a good work day by day. To please who? You guessed it. To please God. <laughs> to please God. To please our Lord. And then, of course, as we've studied about in this lesson, that we may be able to have that peace and love through Jesus Christ. There's, we could probably go back over this letter and, and glean so much more that maybe we didn't see the first time around. But please go back and review some of the lessons that we've had, not only in this uh, program, but on the website uh, for the Northside Church of Christ, where I first began this study at some point last year. And you can find the beginning videos uh, there, then I might uh, re-upload those to the Truth and Reason uh, site at some point in the future. Uh, but they're all there. You can go back and you can study anytime, and you can probably get through a study of Ephesians in no time at all. Uh, next time, we'll start a new program. We'll be looking at some other things throughout the Bible, and and uh, again, look at the epistles um, and maybe some of the examples. I've just studying for this lesson. I've become very encouraged by men like. Uh, Tychicus, and maybe we'll do some uh, uh, character studies on those people. If you have any thoughts about what you would like to hear next, um, please uh, send me an email. Uh, you can comment here on the YouTube channel or the Facebook page uh, through Messenger or the comment section, or you can email me, Chris Kramer, at, uh, excuse me, let me say that again, Chris Kramer 11 at gmail.com. I look forward to hearing from you and look forward to sharing the gospel with you and if I can help you in any way. 
please let me know. Have a wonderful week ahead. Look forward to seeing you next time on Truth and Reason. I walk with the King, hallelujah. I walk with the King, praise His name. No longer I roam, my soul faces home.